Thanks for watching this episode of Turning to Him. I invite you to just take a few seconds right now at the beginning and subscribe to this channel so that you can get more videos like this in your feed. Thanks again. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach Batty, and this is Turning to Him. Thanks so much for joining us. I am very excited to be talking with Camden Hainsworth today. Camden, how are you doing? I'm so good. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for taking the time to do this. Um, I am really excited to talk about what kind of some of the things that we've been talking about beforehand, but I want you to introduce it. So give a quick summary or rundown of some of the experiences you've had and some of the things that we're going to talk about today. Okay. So uh, things that helped me ha have helped me turn to Christ. Um, so I am an ADHD coach. I have ADHD. And so having that context is probably a little helpful for this. Um, ADHDers, we really struggle with working memory. And uh, what that means is as life is passing us by, uh, most moments or things don't always form all the way as a memory. So they kind of breeze by us. We see them, we recognize them, but they don't get stored into our brain like neurotypicals do. So turning to Christ and remembering him can sometimes be a struggle. And so uh, I was diagnosed with ADHD about four years ago. Four years ago, I had um, three children at the time. I've had a fourth since. And um, my life started making a lot more sense at that point. I can remember having really great desires and really good ambitions to uh, follow the Savior, to remember to do a lot of things and um, to follow the commandments in and, and very specific ways and goals that I had. Uh, but having this new lens was helpful for me to see, oh, it makes sense <laughs> that when I go to church and I'm like, I'm going to do this, that I don't actually follow through. It's not because of a lack of desire or you know wanting. It's biologically, physiologically, something that my body struggles with. So a lot of the time for people with ADHD, making things visual or setting up a system that's aligned with our brain and our body and our family and life is can be really helpful um as it is for most people but even more so when our prefrontal cortex really is kind of like a, a really not responsible babysitter <laughs> it doesn't show up it doesn't show up for us so we can't really rely upon it the same way that many neurotypicals can and so something that i found to be really helpful for me was vision boarding and some people will do vision boards or mood boards. Uh, you know, there's lots of different names for them when they have a particular thing that they want in their life that they're reaching for. And as an entrepreneur, that that's very, you know, resonant, resonates a lot. In addition to being a mom and wanting to help my kids and wanting to remember their needs. Um, and then, of course, in my testimony and in my faith, it's so central that in those goals, I'm remembering that Jesus is in charge and that our heavenly parents are in charge and that they are the ones that ultimately, if I trust in, won't ever be an irresponsible babysitter. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah, will, yeah. they will always show up for me. So um, do you want me to go into all the details of that? Yeah. or well, First, um, I mean, looking back with, with 2020 hindsight, looking yeah. back in your life, what were some of the indicators that uh, you were ADHD and, and let's lay the foundation that look, everybody's different. Sure. Everybody mm -hmm. has different experiences, that kind of stuff. So we're just talking about your experience, my experience. Right. But yeah, as you're looking back, when were you able to start pinpointing like, no, I perhaps have a diagnosable uh, condition as opposed yeah. to, I'm just a little wild and crazy or a little forgetful <laughs> or a little, yeah. whatever. you know what I mean? Yeah, there's a massive distinction. I've actually been asked that question a lot because a lot more adults are getting diagnosed with ADHD since COVID, <laughs> since yeah. uh, 2020. So my personal experience and my experience, you know, of of having many clients that that have ADHD is for me, um, I I was very productive most of my life, uh, but there was always something that had me kind of feeling behind. So what that looked like is. Um, I was an athlete. I was a very successful athlete. Uh, you know, played varsity sports, played club sports, uh, was captain of the team, but was always two or three steps behind everyone else. So there were par particular things that I did well in athletics, but it wasn't quite all the way up to par. Um, I, I took AP courses in high school 
And I would often get like C's um, in the class instead of my my friends or my counterparts who I, I felt like I was equally as smart as, mm-hmm. but couldn't quite keep up in the classroom with. And, and I never passed any AP exams. Um, okay. There were, you know, so looking back, that's kind of what it looked like as a parent, as a mom, as an entrepreneur, it looked like um, overexerting myself to a point where I, I was spinning at like 150% to just barely match up with people that were putting in 50% is kind of how it felt. And uh, that is because <laughs> my brain wasn't wasn't operating at the same operating system as theirs was. So this led me to burnout. So okay. at the end of um, August 2019, I really hit a burnout that I've never experienced before. It felt very numb. It felt very um, exhausting. I I wasn't like there was nothing I could hold on to. It was just like I was grasping at something that wasn't there anymore. Uh, I still showed up for my kids. I still showed up as me, but it was more of like um, a shell of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that um, actually led me to the temple. And um, in the temple is when I got a, a very distinct impression to look into ADHD. And it caught me a little bit off guard. Um, but in doing that, I was able to <laughs> see a whole checklist of yeah. things. You know, you can do any Google checklist, but a whole checklist of these things that um, finally made my life make sense. And so I learned more and more and more until I eventually got my official diagnosis. Okay. A uh, couple things struck out or struck me. First of all, I was surprised to hear you say that you felt... Um, physical ramifications that, you know, you were applying yourself in sports and yeah. fell behind as well as in, you know, what I consider more academic or mental exercise. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that common? Uh, it depends on, I think the lens that you can see your life with, I feel like I'm very intuitive with my body. And okay. so um, there's a different differentiation in my mind between um, like physical wellness and like like you're saying, mental wellness. So I uh, had a lot of anxiety playing in the mm-hmm. games. And so I would freak myself out. I'd psych myself out before the games. And I didn't realize that that's actually a part of the regulation center of our brain, which is the prefrontal cortex. And because my brain felt these big feelings and was unable to regulate itself before the game, no matter how much I like told myself, okay, come on, just get focused, focus in, you'll be okay. I really psyched myself out and Mm -hmm. I, you know, I was still suffering from some PTSD from some former injuries as well that, you know, would have been helpful to also uh, heal from. And ADHD was definitely evident there. It was just my, I could see the game. I could play the game. I I did very, very well. Um, But it, it wasn't enough. There was, there was this regulation that wasn't happening in my body and uh, mess with my psyche. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you put it that way, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, go deeper. Talk Talk to me more about when you're at the temple, you, re- you receive a prompting to look into ADHD. Right. What's your thought process there? Um, at the temple, there was like this hyper arousal that happened. Um, where I could sense everything around me during the session, did an endowment session. Um, I could hear every little movement of every foot. I could hear chewing gum. I could hear, you know, the rustling of fabric. And it was extremely distracting. It was probably the least (laughs) peaceful session at the (laughs) temple I have ever experienced. And sometimes the temple worship is a little bit difficult for me with ADHD, um, (laughs) now that I know that that's what it is. But this was a whole different ballgame. And, uh, you know, come a point um, where I'm supposed to focus in and and Mm -hmm. kind of reemphasize some of the covenants that I've made vocally, and I couldn't hear anything. It it was just like white noise with people around me. I could hear all the things, but not one thing. And I was was just completely um, 
mute. (laughs) There was, there was no, you know, movement from my head to my, to my mouth. And I was like, this is different. I have been going to the temple for 20 years or so. I don't know how long I'd been at that point. And this is different. This is my brain's broken. Something, something has happened. Yeah. And so when I entered the celestial room and was saying this prayer and saying, what is happening? What is going on? Heavenly father, you got to help me here. Um, it, it was almost like a vision in my mind of the wor- four letters, ADHD. And um, once again, it's just very interesting and bizarre, you know, like look into this. And I was a former elementary educator. So it's not that I didn't know anything about ADHD. Um, my brother had been diagnosed as an adult. So it was familiar enough that that language um, was happily accepted, you know, and okay, okay. let me go do some research. So uh, it, it didn't come as a shock. I was grateful for an answer, and uh, it's shifted the course of my life since then. So really, really thankful. Okay. Um, all right. So take us now through the story. So you start doing the research, mm-hmm. and then you said that there was, of course, a time period until you got your final diagnosis. What yeah. is that time period? What happens in that time period? Yeah, I started an Instagram account from a same a similar prompting that there were other people like me out there who were pre-diagnosis, who were, um, you know, moms in their thirties or whatnot, who may be feeling the same way that I was. And so I started an Instagram ac- account, uh, Camden underscore ADHD. And which was funny. I always joked, well, maybe someday I won't be a diagnosed and we'll say Camden doesn't have ADHD you know, instead of <laughs> underscore. But, um, I started connecting with a lot of people, coaches, psychologists, authors, podcasters, uh, And at this point, I just feel like I I was so fortunate because everyone is very approachable. This was pre-2020, pre-COVID, just barely. And so we hadn't seen this influx of mental health awareness on social media. It was still there. I don't want to say it wasn't there, but it's not the same. It wasn't the same as it is now. And so I got to know all these individuals. Um... And I I developed a platform called the ADH directory where I became a matchmaker between people who needed help and directing them in the, you know, the direction of all these individuals that I had met. And uh, then eventually spring of 2020, I went and got my own diagnosis, which um, took some work. It took some work. It took some massive advocacy for me. I left in tears from the first clinician that I saw. They were very, um, they weren't helpful at all. <laughs> and so um, I like to put that out there because it is, you have to fight sometimes for your, for your uh, mental health or for your kids' mental health. So that's, yeah, that's what brought me to my diagnosis. Okay. It's interesting to me that before you were ever diagnosed, you had a desire to help other people. Yeah. And that, I mean, you wanted to, like you said, you became a matchmaker. Mm-hmm. And you you wanted to help before you were even officially diagnosed. You felt very much a part of the community. Is that fair to say? Oh yeah, and and the community a- adopted me very quickly. You can only speak from personal experience on so many right. reels and TikToks and things out there without the, and have them saying, "Whoa, you're in my brain!" Right? Like you can't make something like that up. Um, you can't read a book and then put put it out there. So <laughs> when I got my diagnosis, I was like. Woohoo! Shocker! You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, we didn't know you had ADHD. You know, it was yeah, kind of yeah, a, yeah. a funny moment, but yeah, I think I just felt very confident. My oldest daughter also has ADHD, and so I had also been studying that and understanding it through her through her lens. So, uh, it was it was enough to see how much she needed support, and like yes. I was at a breaking point, and I just feel. And, you know, the gospel is so good. Christ is so good to teach us that when we serve, we, we gain clarity and we gain more, um, in tuneness with the spirit and we, we forget ourselves and, and we remember and, and get clarity about what's most important. So I was happy that in my struggle, I was able to find connection and, uh, grateful for the prompting to start that. Yes. Okay. You get the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the next step? Um, I continued with my business. I continued with the directory and I just started making small changes 
in my life. Uh, I did hire a ADHD coach of my own. I started meeting with a therapist. I tried medication um, and found what worked and what didn't work and what time of day and what kind of, you know, mm-hmm. um, what, what kind of situations needed, what kind of support. And I just started kind of implementing what I was learning. Uh, I've always been a doer. Like if you know what the Enneagram is, I'm an achiever. I'm a number three. Like I, I just am just like get to work and let's figure this out. And uh, a year passed or so. And then I started coaching people in small business who had ADHD themselves. And then another year passed and I had a new baby and I decided I wanted to become an official ADHD life coach. So that's where I'm at now. And I've, you know, had many clients and people in between all of that and tried to figure out what ADHD looks like in our family as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, started a podcast and a variety of other things um, just to help get the word out to as many people as possible. Yes. All right. So speaking of that and of helping, you have found some things that have helped you uh, specifically to kind of your interaction with the gospel and yeah. and developing and maintaining your relationship with Christ. What have you found that works for you? Yeah, awesome. So it kind of goes back to where I maybe uh, dove in too quickly <laughs> at the beginning of this um, conversation. Uh, but one of the things that helped me understand my brain was that my brain can't be relied upon specifically with regulation and with memory. Um, among other things, uh, but it kind of boils down to those two things specifically for me. And so when you recognize that um, no matter how much your intention is to remember, no matter how much your intention is to be emotionally regulated, that you cannot expect your body to do that, you start to make changes. Uh, it's just a whole different approach. I, My dad um, grew up watching and playing baseball a lot. And there was a baseball player named Jim Abbott, uh, I think in like the eighties or nineties. And he actually had a, 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 not a fully formed hand and he was a pitcher and he pitched for major leagues. Um, he even threw a, a, a no hitter, you know, a couple times. Oh, wow. Um, very, very impressive. And I like to liken that to if the coach coached Jim Abbott the exact same way that he would coach someone that had two functioning hands, um, that would be completely ridiculous. <laughs> yes, yes. But because he had a coach and he was willing to work with his body as what as it was, um, he was able to throw the ball, pitch the ball, and then quickly move his glove over to the same hand and catch the ball and then learn how to throw it out of his other hand or toss it out of his mitt. And that's like a completely different system, yet he was a major league baseball player. Yes. You know, he was high caliber because he understood what his body needed and he understood what his worth was and what his his talent and his skills were. So little by little, that's essentially what I've been doing. I mentioned the vision board. I, I have one here and I also put one in my shower and a sleeve protector. Um, as a mom, you don't get very much (laughs) free time. You got to study where you can. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so I do, I have scriptures on there. I have like my, my goals for my business. I have my goals for my family, um, for my personal goals. And in the center, every time is a, is a photo of the savior, um, or a favorite quote from a talk or something that really grounds me to remind me that it's not all about me. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not. And to remind me of where I'm really wanting to make positive progress in my life. And that all ties back to the savior. In fact, right now I have a, I have some quotes from my patriarchal blessing, but I also have, uh, if I can find it. Oh my goodness. No, of course I can't find it on here. There's a lot. (laughs) Oh, here it is. Here (laughs) it is. Okay. Um, It's second Nephi 434. Oh Lord, I have trusted in thee and will trust in thee forever. I will not put my trust in the arm of the flesh, for I know that cursed is he that putteth his trust in the arm of the flesh. Yea, cursed is he that putteth his trust in man or maketh flesh his arm. Kind of ends negative. But for me, it's the it's just the reminder of it's not about me putting in more work. Remember, that's what led me to burnout. It's yeah. not about that. It's about doing what I can 
and then relying upon the Lord and, and good things will happen. That's worth thinking about and really applying individually. It's not about me doing more work. Um, I had a conversation with somebody the other day where he said, look, for a lot of people, and I, I would perhaps say most people, the answer is put in more work. And so for us, so because of that, most of the motivation that we hear and most of the conversations that we have, the idea is put in more work. And again, I, I go back to the idea, and I'm, of course, making these numbers up, but probably for 80% of us, yeah, that's the answer. We, we probably have a little bit of laziness and we just need to put in more work. But if you happen to be that 20% and you're already running at yeah. 105% of your capacity, you have to be in tune with the spirit enough that when you hear put in more work, the spirit has to be able to whisper to you, that's not for you. You don't need to work harder. You need to work different. Or exactly. Yeah. Or the, the work means you need to learn how to rest. Yeah. 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 And that's yeah. hard. And so I would say that with a majority, vast majority, probably 100% of my clients, they come to me and have no idea what true restful activities are for them. So we end up taking two or three sessions just to get clear on what is a restful activity. Because when you grow up feeling like you are a step behind everyone else mm -hmm. and not ever feeling satisfied because your measurement is based upon neurotypical measurements, you always, you, you, you learn that from a very young age. Um, and that kind of, uh, <laughs> traumatic experience sticks with you until you unlearn it, until you recalibrate those neural pathways, you know, you, you reframe them. And so do more work actually means find more rest yeah. for us a lot of the time. And then when we're rested, guess what? Guess how we show up? Like a full human. Yeah. yeah like yeah. a human who has their cup completely filled with capacity with intention, with the ability to actually uh, make sense of our life and complete things that we want. But if we're not rested, if we're not, if our capacity is running on fumes, there's no way. Yes. Um, you mentioned, as you were talking about your vision board, uh, you kept indicating the words that you were choosing indicated that you have made multiple vision boards over the years. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes I know I get hamstrung when I hear make a vision board or have a mission statement or things like that. I think I've got to come up with a board that is going to describe me and be my vision for the next 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, am I, how am I ever going to do that? Uh, yeah. Correct me. Correct me on that. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, behind your voice, you've also recognized that. And, uh, the I like the phrase, and I've kind of coined the phrase for me, is I'm the boss applesauce. <laughs> if I made it, then I can change it. If I made the goal, I can change the goal. And so uh, I'm going to highlight, once again, ADHD. But for many people, and I would even say within the church, too, we tend to think all or nothing, black or white. Like, I'm either going to read the scriptures seven days the week for, you know, a half hour or an hour, or I'm not going to do it at all because I failed, you know, like we have this human nature to want to do things perfectly. Um, and yet that's not realistic. We aren't these avatars. We aren't these just, yes, you know, robots. Yes. So for me, I, I keep a vision board until it no longer becomes relevant or until my mind has now moved on and it's not reminding me of things that are in my future. And so um, I do, I ha actually keep them all next to each other in that sleep protector. I'm sure one of these days I'm going to have to take them out, but I would say there's probably eight or nine in there now. And uh, another thing that that helps me with is to measure progress, um, being reflective and slowing down and taking in like what I have done and what I have accomplished is a matter of regulation. Okay. And uh, so once again, everyone can benefit from this. But knowing that my brain, even in the best circumstances, will not regulate for me, I set up systems so that when I look at that vision board, I can say, wow, look at the things that we've done. Look at the things that we've accomplished or that we felt or that we've healed from. 
and then we can honor them and then we put our new one in. And I will also say that it takes me probably a month to create a new one. It's a very, um, it's a very intuitive and like, okay, just like I'm very visual. Um, Mm -hmm. I wish I was an artist (laughs) because I really appreciate art, but it has to resonate with me. So I don't try and just do it, sit down in one session and do it. It's something that's a beautiful process that sets an intention for me for the next six months or, you know, however long. Um, And it's definitely, I include the Lord with that too. I don't try and force it. Now, the very first one I ever did just for the sake of that was with a purple Sharpie and a white piece of paper. And I drew all the things up that I needed to remember in that moment. And I put it up in the shower. So my first one. Mm-hmm. So this can be a process. It doesn't have to be perfect, but you're going to find the way, like you said, mission statement, you're going to find the way that makes the most sense for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. I tell you what I don't hear you saying is, and perhaps this is a this is a view of 25 years ago or 30 years ago, but what I don't hear you saying is when I was diagnosed with ADHD, I realized my life was over and yeah. I was never going to college. I was never going to compete academically. I was never... I was never going to get a hold of this. And it was pretty much a social and mental death sentence. Yeah. Do Some you people feel that way? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think that uh, I, I kind of got lucky. I feel like I got fortunate to be diagnosed at a time when there's so much information readily available. Also to be diagnosed as a full grown adult <laughs> was probably helpful. Um, that, you know, to be diagnosed as someone who likes to put in the work, likes to achieve, likes to make sense of my life and doesn't really settle. Um, I'm I'm very flexible. I will say that I'm very flexible, but I, I want to make sure that I've done what I can do. Right. So, um, this is a really interesting point. So I have a brother who is a senior in high school. (laughs) And so he, I'm the oldest of seven. So he's kind of like my, uh, my path or my gate to like, (laughs) (laughs) like the uprising generation. Right. Yes. And, um, I work with a lot of parents with teenagers and it, there's so many good things about, is it Gen Z? I think we're on Gen Z now. Okay. Gen Z. Okay. There's so many amazing things. They're so good at, um, advocating for each other. They're really good at not judging. They're really good at, um, you know, setting some boundaries and understanding like they are an autonomous human. A lot of things that I feel like I didn't learn until later in life. They're so good at that. And yet they have underdeveloped frontal lobes of the brain just because they're not in their late twenties. Yeah. Right? Cause that's know how that humans that's grow. Of, yeah. It's part of, of growth. So when you get a diagnosis and you're young and don't have the advocacy for someone saying, Hey, this isn't the end of the world. We just got to figure out how you're going to throw and catch that baseball. Right. Yes. You don't have that type of help, which unfortunately, sometimes when you get a diagnosis, it's like, well, here's a medication. Good luck. You know, Um, if you don't have additional support, then it can feel that way (laughs) because really medication can be huge for people, but pills don't teach skills. And when you have been skillless because of this insufficiency in your frontal lobe of the brain, when are you supposed to learn what your brain was supposed to give you? Even with a pill, now you can focus, but what are you going to focus on? You know, okay. you're you're so not used to having the ability to focus that you don't even know how to study. You don't know how to prioritize. You've never been taught those skills. And so for some people, it can feel that way. It can feel like, well, even with the medication, nothing like I don't know what to do next. And so I mean, I have books all back here, amazing podcasts, coaches, obviously I'm a, I'm a real fan of, um, but I I think that, um, it's legitimate and ADHD can be seen as an excuse like, Oh, I can't do that with ADHD. Or it can be seen as an explanation of like, Oh, it makes sense. Why I'm, I'm late over and over again. Okay. We're not going to take that as an excuse. Like, Oh, I have ADHD. It's like, all right, now what? Now, what system, what structure can I, what, what compassion <laughs> can I put into this so that I can improve and don't have a, you know, dooms filled life that I have complete optimism for my future. I love that phrase and it can be applied to things much wider than ADHD. It could be an excuse or it can be an explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and, and you think about, I, I used to draw a line between physical ailments and mental ailments. Now mm -hmm. I can, I mean, I understand that, okay, there's mental is physical brain chemicals and things like that, but sometimes it's still just easier to talk about yeah. physical mental. If I have a bad knee that, that doesn't give me license. I don't want to be, I want to be gentle here. Sure. If I have a bad knee, that doesn't give me license to just sit on the sofa for the rest of my life and watch Netflix all day. Oh, Hey, right. I got a bad knee. I got a bad knee. Right. Well, let's get you a knee brace. Yeah. And then, you know, going back to your, uh, pills don't teach skills. Now that you've got your knee brace, you still need to exercise. You yeah. still need to get out and do things. Your body so, still needs you to move. Yeah. For, for, yeah, yeah, for yeah. fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And so I I love that, and it it sounds like it is your experience that uh, more and more people are willing to do that, and and the the desire of to, of using ADHD as an excuse. It sounds like as a society, as we become more educated on uh, mental health and things like that, that's going away. Mm. I hope so. Uh, yeah, okay. I feel like it is. Okay. Yeah. I hope so. And and I, I feel that like I get to live in this beautiful world of tons of people with ADHD. So every so often when I exit <laughs> the world yeah. of ADHDers, I am sometimes still shocked that people don't give me as much grace, you know, or they're like, um, man, you're all over the place or, or kind of give me the looks like, hold it together, lady. <laughs> you know? Okay. Okay. I'm still shocked by that. It's not that people are being mean, but I can tell like, when I'm on group coaching calls or when I'm with, you know, um, on forums or things, it's just like, oh, I'm so sorry, you guys, like my alarm went off, but I snoozed it and I didn't come on. We're like, we're so glad you're here. Like, welcome. You know, there's less of this, like, oh, how dare you? Or, well, you really must not care about this. You know, there's, there's a lot less of that in my world. So when I enter into the world of uh, neurotypicals or just uh, normal society, it can be kind of shocking. However, I feel like I have more clout now. I feel like we have more, um, uh, we have a stronger surface to stand on. We have a better, a better platform to stand on. I don't know if I like the word platform, but there's just so much research out there. And now it's becoming more of a household topic. Um, it, it's, it's not as hushed or shushed away or point to the finger or judgment. It's like, no, this is legit. <laughs> and yeah. it's a disability, you know, like it, it really is. If your brain's not working uh, in a way that's it's being asked to work, um, then specifically with school and academics, like you can get help. You can have five hundred fours. You can you can have a help plan um, to assist you in that way too. So I hope so. I hope that we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I'm sorry that that the uh, world of neurotypical is still jarring. Uh, jarring is the wrong word. That's it. It can less, be jarring. Friendly, we can use that. Less friendly than it should be. Than it needs to be. <laughs> and that's okay. Like I think that that's it's good to anticipate that. Think of all marginalized groups in general, mm -hmm. right? We're always shooting for an ideal. We're shooting to get better. We're shooting to improve. And if I can in increase awareness, you know, then maybe it will help someone be a little bit more thoughtful. Or a little bit more mindful or see things as there's not something wrong with me. It's just like, we're going to need to be more patient with each other. Um, honestly, very type A personalities can also be very rigid and difficult to go have a fun time with, you know, like loosen up a little bit, you know? Right, right, right. So it's not that I don't have uh, my own judgments against other people that I'm also working on. Uh, it's, it's just the awareness increasing of like, how can we support each other better now with the information that seems more readily available. Yeah. I've one I'll I'll say this out loud. I don't know that it's a polished thought, so this may come back to bite me. Uh but I'll, I'll risk it. I've often thought I I'm a nice person. So it's yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah. If you could just teach the internet to be a nice person, that would be helpful. <laughs> oh yeah, the good old trolls. <laughs> the good old internet, yep. I've often thought um there is an understandable hesitancy to describe something as a deficiency. Yeah. And I, I totally understand that. The other side of the coin for me is every single one of us has a list of deficiencies. Mm -hmm. It just so happens that 
if the majority of people have your deficiency, it's not considered a deficiency. We just call Correct. that normal. Yeah. But I wonder from the Lord's perspective, I wonder if he just lovingly could point out what, you know, all of our deficiencies. Yeah. And that if, if we could see that, we would all kind of be looking around saying, oh, I guess we all need to be handled in a special way. Yeah. It's just more people need to be handled in my special way. So it doesn't feel difficult because everybody does that. Yeah. And so there's so many things I could say with this. I love listening to controversial conversations surrounding ADHD because I know that in my clientele, you don't have to even identify with or have a diagnosis of ADHD to want some help with organization, with regulation, with, you know, so many things. And so some people would say, well, I don't want to say that I have a deficiency or it's not an underdeveloped brain. Maybe it's trauma. And trauma actually looks like ADHD symptoms. They they mirror each other. Um, I'm reading the book, and I will get to Heavenly Father, I promise. But yeah. I'm reading I'm reading the book, um, what happened to you right now? And that's their whole thing is they're like digging deep to think about what actually happened during the developmental stages of the brain that are causing, you know, the the reactions and the symptoms right now in adulthood or teenage life. There's also another book back here that um, is really interesting, and it talks about hunters and gatherers, which whatever, you guys can take it for what you want, but that the hunters, <laughs> like we needed to be on high alert and the gatherers didn't have to be as much. So if we can take like that parallel of, is it a, a deficiency of my frontal lobe or was that intended mm -hmm. as well so that I could bring something beautiful to the world? Um, people with this ADHD brain are some of the most creative, um, incredible, uh, beautiful minds, and they are distinct from other people that don't think like them. And is that, yeah, maybe it, if we looked at a scan, maybe it would be underdeveloped, but it, it might just be intentional, right? To yeah, have 100%. this variety, have this variety of people. It's just that our Western North American society yeah, yeah. Wants us to live by a certain standard that means professional, that means responsible, um, and that that's harder for us to fit into. If we're a, if we're a hunter, it's hard to be a gatherer, you know, type of yes. idea. God knows our brain. Well, God knows our brain. Yeah, and and thank goodness we are in families, and that families make up a culture. Because I uh, I am not a sociologist, but. I, I don't think it's a far stretch of the imagination to say, if you have a group of 100% hunters, that's not going to work as well no. <laughs> as a group of mixed hunters and gatherers. And, the same, and if you've got a group of 100% gatherers or 100%, yeah. that's also not going to work as well. You need, one of my favorite phrases, the gospel net gathereth all types. Yeah. And it needs all types. It need, I mean, that's in the scriptures. We the, the body of Christ is hands and feet and eyes and noses. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that does impact our worship too. And that's what the Busy Brain Saint account where we met is all about is just to is to help validate and and put some space out there for us busy brains um that our way to connect with God might look a little unconventional at times. And that's all it is. Yeah. is it's unconventional. It's not less worthy. It's not um wrong. It's not bizarre. Yeah. It's just, it's not what's followed like Anglo-Saxon Protestant ways of worship over time. We have such a beautifully young church too, right? I mean, it's ancient, but also the restoration just being in the 1800s to where we've grown to now. Wow, there's been some differences. Like, you yes. know, you'd have to be blind to not see how the church has evolved as it's learned more about its members and how we can foster worship and and prayer and song and dance and all of that um is yeah. so beautiful and so i'm just helping hopefully um validate expand consider be curious about what ways do you connect to anyone and how could you apply that to then collect, uh, connect to deity and that's a really fun that's a really fun challenge <laughs> so what experiences have you had along some of those lines Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm like just barely uncovering it. So 
one of the things that I did was, and I actually wrote down um, a quote from President Nelson's talk last fall in 2020. Um, he said, it was such a beautiful talk. It was, I believe, the Sunday morning session or the Saturday afternoon. I can't remember. Um, and he, it's called Overcome the World and Find Rest. And he said, you can overcome spiritually excuse me, you can overcome the spiritually and emotionally exhausting plagues of the world, including ignorance, pride, anger, immorality, hatred, greed, jealousy, and fear, despite the distractions and the distortions that swirl around us, you can find true rest, meaning relief and peace, even amidst the most vexing problems. And he quoted Matthew 11, 28 through 30, that reminds us, take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when I heard him say that, I heard him say, if you, Camden, can lean into the scriptures, then you will find rest. And remember, we talked about that. It's hard for people with yeah. ADHD. This, this brain does not turn off. It wakes up 100 miles an hour in some circumstances, and it goes to sleep at 100 miles an hour like it it's just constantly going is exhausting but with Christ President Nelson promised that we'd find rest if we yoke ourselves with him with this personalized yoke and so i said all right accountability and consistency ADHD years are consistently inconsistent so how can i create accountability and consistency because i need this rest and uh, this came to mind. <laughs> I'm holding up my phone if you're listening on audio. And so since last October, I have been going live at 6.30 a.m. to 7 o'clock a.m. Mountain Time, reading my scriptures or listening to a talk or um, uh, reading my patriarchal blessing or doing something that is ministering to my soul. And uh Maybe one person will show up for two minutes. You know, there's really not a whole ton of people that come on, but it's enough that I feel like, but what about if one person does? And I don't know how long that will last, but it's lasted a year for me. And almost immediately, I had more patience with my children. I was more regulated. I had more peace um, because of that daily touch. And it has changed me. It really has. Um, And so because I was willing to think about my brain and my body, what it needed and how it could connect to God and do something a little bit strange, a little bit different, it I was able to feel that peace. If I was like, no, I just have to, I just have to do come follow me and I have to do it alone and it has to be quiet. And, you know, sometimes my baby's on my lap, sometimes you just have to be flexible. So that's, that's been the most um, recent one for me. I love it because, again, what I'm hearing from you is not the prophet says I can find peace by reading the scriptures. I have ADHD. Scripture is very hard for me, so I'm an exception to that rule. Right. Instead, what I hear from you is prophet says I can find peace by reading the scriptures. I have ADHD, so I need to figure out how do I customize that counsel Mm-hmm. And 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 so that I can feed into that also. Yeah. So, uh, so being different again. Going back to your thing, uh, I'm trying to find it because I, I wrote it. ADHD is not an excuse; it's an explanation. Mm-hmm. And knowing that I have ADHD is not an excuse. It gives me an additional tool to put in my toolbox of right. okay, hey, if 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 I have metric screws, I can't use standard ratchets. <laughs> I got to use it. a metric yeah. system. I got to yeah. put it in. And yet they're both, they're great tools, both right? Are, when they're absolutely. learned, when they're used correctly. Yeah. We just have to know what we're working with or what we're building or how to build it. And that gives, I, we talk about agency so much in the church and so many people with ADHD feel like that their agency has been taken from them because no matter how hard they try all the all the skills that neurotypicals want to teach us, like, man, this is not working, right? And our brain is yes. bossing us back and forth because we're using the wrong tools or we're going about things the wrong way. And I feel like agency is now a thing that I can claim as I understand, as I have full 
incredible acceptance of this body and of this brain that has been given to me just the way that it is. Do I feel like I can still improve? Well, I know enough about neuroscience that I can, right? Like, it's not that I feel like I'm stuck here forever, but in the meantime, what do I do? (laughs) I fully accept myself. I yoke myself with Christ. Once again, I just got to reemphasize that yoke is such a beautiful analogy because yokes are made specifically for the animal. Mm-hmm. They aren't uh, they aren't just like on a, a assembly line and made the exact same way. They are made for the particular animal, customized, tailored. And so my yoke with Christ is so tailored to Camden and everything that she is that I can figure this out with Christ in order to help me live a beautiful, fulfilled life. Yes. It strikes me as I talk with you and as I talk with so many other people, um, just the importance of walking close with the Spirit and receiving that personal revelation. And when President Nielsen says, um, you know, there will come a time when, well, let's see, that's a really bad paraphrase. So I'm, I'm going to say, but basically, we can't survive without personal revelation and personal yeah. inspiration. And I yeah. think. When I heard that, I initially thought, okay, the world is going to get so wicked and filled with so many uh, half-truths and 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 false information that I have to have that personal revelation to find truth. And I think that's true. That's definitely true. But also, as I'm, again, talking with you and so many other people, it's also about receiving personal revelation of how does the gospel apply to me? And again, not looking for exceptions to what the, the prophet said doesn't apply, but how to make my align my life with the counsel, guidance, and commandments that are coming from our inspired leaders. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's really true. Yeah. I I was just talking with a, a woman out actually in New Zealand. She's in New Zealand and she reached out to me on Busy Brain Saint Count. And she said, You know, when the prophet said think celestial this last time, people thought, okay scriptures, church, temple, you know, and those are all great things she said, yeah. but for me it was creating space to be meditative. Yes. It's like, oh, darn. Okay. I I really haven't been doing that enough. And because that's how she communes with God. It's not that she's omitting the temple or omitting the scriptures, but for her, what does celestial living look like? For yeah. me, with ADHD, what does my celestial living look like? And how can I do better by that? If someone doesn't have a temper (laughs) or has great Mm -hmm. regulation, then thinking celestial, their number one priority won't be raising their voice at their kids. That would make no sense, right? But for me, who struggles with regulation and has very intense, big emotion kids, that is one way that I can create a more celestial life a more God aligned life. And so for me, thinking celestial is very personalized. Just like what you're saying, there's like the fear on one side, or maybe it's not fear. There's the like negative or like the distance between Mm -hmm. light and darkness that may be happening. But also if I want to spread more light, what kind of celestial being does Camden need to be versus you or my neighbor, right? We need to personally think what is celestial for us. Yes. It's great. This has been so uh, enlightening for me and just such a fantastic interview. I so appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, This was not arranged beforehand, nor was it uh, the initial intent. But if someone wants to get on your live and see the scripture story, or if someone says, hey, I think I I have ADHD or or maybe one of my kids, how can they reach out to you? Thank you. Um, yeah, specifically, if if you are a member of the church and this resonates with you, then the best account is at the busy brained saint on Instagram. That's also the name of my podcast. Um, and then my coaching business is CamdenADHDCoaching.com. Hey, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for doing what you do and just uh, helping spread goodness and kindness and understanding about something that has probably not been very well understood for a very long time. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) It's my (laughs) pleasure. Thanks for being so complimentary. This has been really, really fun. 
um, to talk about the gospel as it applies to mental health and to ADHD. It's it's kind of my two favorite things combined. So this is this is beautiful. In closing, would you mind sharing your testimony with us? Yes. Oh man, this one's loaded. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wrote out my testimony for another account the other day, and I was so very precise. So I'll just do what's on my heart today. Um, there are a lot of things that I believe have highly impacted me in this church. And the one thing I know for certain and seems consistent in my life is that the worth of souls is great in the sight of God. And I feel that the restoration came about in a really beautiful way to show just how true that statement is that by a simple prayer of Joseph Smith at 14 years old, just wanting and having this desire to do what was right, that God himself with Jesus Christ would even think to appear to someone so humble. That is a God I love believing in. That is a God that I love trusting in. And that same love I have felt multiple times in my life. And I feel it some days stronger than others, but I have found that as I apply the principles of the gospel and as I read the scriptures, that I am a more complete version of myself. And every time that I veer off the, that kind of, those kind of habits, that I feel a little bit less like myself. And that's a little bit unexplicable for me. And so I follow all those roadmaps and those road signs saying, Camden, you don't have to understand everything right now, but pay attention to how you're feeling, pay attention to what you're able to do in your capacity and trust, trust that God is there. Uh, I also trust in the restored gospel and the gospel constantly being restored. And I love learning about the feminine divine of a heavenly mother who understands my struggles as a mom. And that's something that's very deep. And I'm so thankful for the thought and the imagery of a heavenly mother and father who have a beautiful marriage and have a beautiful partnership and everything that they've accomplished for the good of the world and for their children. And I hope to take that same love. And uh, my intention is to share that with as many people as possible in as many ways as makes sense. And that is my testimony today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. <laughs>